We're in the, in the book of Hebrews, and we, we did part one last week, part two this week. The writer of Hebrews, whoever he or she was, had a problem. The people he or she was addressing were not maturing in the faith. They were not growing up. They had hit some real hard bubbles and rocks in a road, and they had frozen in their development. Does this sound familiar to any of us? They had started well, made some progress, but then disappointments hit. They had thought Jesus was coming back any second, and he, and he didn't. They had thought they'd be more triumphal uh, as a church, and they weren't. And they were seeing persecution, and they were seeing difficulties in the political realm, and they were struggling. Sounds very familiar. They had contented themselves with knowing the basics and not being transformed by what they knew. Look at this in Hebrews 5. We have this much to say about you, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance or max that lead to death, and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. Wow. Blunt words. I can remember preaching at one church. We'd first come back to America, and I'd been there for a couple of years, and a lady came up to me, and she said, you know, you don't ever preach about baptism. And I looked at her, and I said, well, that's not exactly true, but... Um, you think we should preach more on that? She goes, yes, we should. And I said, I just said, could you turn around with me now and take a look at the rest of the congregation as they're filing out? Who here hasn't been baptized? Well, you're supposed to preach the gospel, and the gospel meant to her baptism. And I'm going, they've already been baptized. What they need now is a good electric shock to move them forward, which is why people hire me. Um, they, and, 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 and again... We, we struggle with this because we, uh, there's, a, there's a rogue battery, by the way, guys, if one of your guitars doesn't work. It's a free-range battery. Uh, it's, uh, it's on the veldt, the savannah. And this preacher, uh, and this sermon, by the way, never get inside my head. Never. <laughs> never. You'll say, Daddy, make it stop. You know, and I, um, in this sermon, the preacher was saying, we're, we're going to move on now you might want to come for the ride. And this morning, there are going to be a couple of things that may challenge you, especially near the end as we approach the tables. But come along for the ride. It's time we moved on. The Christian life is an intentional one. Most people, and I want to turn over to our young folk here because it, it, giving up hope on some of the older. No, uh, <laughs> most people, and you'll know them, live their life like they were a pinball in a machine, that all they do is react. That's all they do. This upset, happy, mad, 
up, down. That's all they do during the day. That's all they do in their life. We are not pinballs, we are persons. We are to live intentional lives. Do you intend to be a righteous person today? Do you intend to shine with Jesus' light? Do you intend to be an outpost of heaven in a foreign land, or do you not? It's an intentional act. Anything worth doing is intentional. It's not like you're watching TV one day, and you turned and you slipped out of your chair and all of a sudden became fit. That's not the way that works, evidently. You don't walk down the street, trip, fall down, and all of a sudden you're a doctor. No. Work. Hard, intentional work. Why do we think that becoming a solid, strong Christian is a matter of a couple of beliefs an action or two, and then coast for 60 years. It's not the way this works. It never has. So let's start with this. You believe in Jesus, the Son of God. I know that. I hear you sing. I see you live. I see the good works that you do, and that amazes me. But what if you feel stuck? Well, then the book of Hebrews is for you. We all know Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter of the Bible. It's a really important chapter. But really, we need to go there and get a clue. Because you believe in God. You believe in Jesus, the Son of God. You go to church. You're here. I'm not going to beat you up for being here. You're here. That's great. But is that it? Is trying to live as a good person? You know, go to church and be as good as a Buddhist. You know, just try to be nice and not hurt people. Is that really all he has called us to be? Is that even enough? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, if you've got your Bibles, you might want to notice this. There's a pattern here. We all know faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Yes. But have you ever looked at the list? Verse 4 by faith, Abel offered, or by faith, Abel brought. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch pleased God. Okay, he was taken. By faith, verse 7, Noah prepared. And I'm, I'm going out of different versions here. Verse 8, by, Abra by faith, Abraham obeyed. Verse 9, by faith, he dwelt. Verse 11, by faith Sarah conceived. I would submit to you that's the only way a 90-something-year-old's going to conceive. By faith, she conceived. Verse 17, by faith Abraham offered. Verse 20, by faith Isaac blessed. Verse 21, by faith Jacob blessed. Verse 24, by faith Moses chose to be known as a son of Israel. And it keeps going. By faith he forsook Egypt. By faith, he kept the Passover. Verse 29, by faith, the Israelites passed through the Red Sea. Would have been a tremendous act of faith. They'd not seen the movie. That would have been an odd thing to do. By faith, verse 30, the walls of Jericho fell. I always think we don't give that enough thought. Here's the battle plan. Yes, what is it? We're going to walk around it. Okay? But then the next day, we're going to walk around it again. Yay. Day three, again. Day seven, we're going to walk around it a lot. 
and then play some tunes. Good plan. But by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Verse 31, by faith, Rahab received the spies and grace. And so in verse 33, it gives a list of what they got because of all of this. By faith, they subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, went from weakness to strength, became valiant in battle, drove away the invaders, and the dead walked again. Now, we can all agree, we would love to live a life that looked like verse 33, correct? Yeah, just stopping that violence, shutting the, the mouths of lions, dead walking again, valiant, brave people. By faith. But did you notice something? There's a pattern here. Every time it says by faith, it's followed by a verb, an action, an intentional act. Every time. Our faith has to be an active, intentional faith, or we will not achieve what they achieved. And what was that? As a reminder, they acquired God as witness that they were righteous. We could stop right there. Isn't that enough? That would be enough. But goes further, did not see death. Going to live forever. Became heirs of righteousness, which means, by the way, you've been adopted into the family and made the first child. Because only the first one inherits. The rest get the leavings, if you remember. When you become an heir of righteousness, he's putting you, loving you like he loves Christ. Those of us who have been baptized have put on Christ. When he looks at us, that's what he sees. You have been adopted. You've received the inheritance. Now, I want you to notice this. This becomes exceptionally important later today. You've already received the inheritance. Brothers and sisters, we fell into a trap. We really did. We, we didn't mean to, and the people that led us into the trap didn't mean to lead us into a trap. But we were taught that if you live really good, when you die, you might get into heaven. You had a shot. You had a chance. And therefore, we live on that little edge, don't we? I'm trying to live good enough to get in. I saw a bumper sticker once that said, how much can I sin and still get into heaven? I'm thinking, you know, most people won't say it out loud, less put a bumper sticker on, but that's really where they are. That's not it. We're already in heaven. We are citizens of heaven. That's why I'm not shaken by the news. I'll look at it sometimes and go, Seriously? But I'm not shaken by it. I'm, I'm already a citizen of another country. I'll live somewhere else. Already. I've inherited it already. I've already got eternal life. You already have eternal life. You're not going to die. Oh, your body's going to drop down one day, but by that time, you're probably going to be done with it. Right? There's going to come a time where you're going to be laying in the bed, dying of absolutely everything, and saying, eh, that's about enough. Or your relatives will and pull the plug. Well, it'll happen one way or the other. But your soul lives on, your spirit lives on. Because it's already been given to you. 
You've already got eternal life. You're already adopted by God. You're already in heaven, and heaven is already here. We need to understand something. There are, have you heard the term thin places? There are places in the world they call thin places. For example, off the west coast of, uh, of, of Scotland, uh, there's, a, there's a tiny island called Iona. You might want to look it up if, you have, if you've not heard of it. I-O-N-A, Iona. It's the Holy Isle. That's where, well, it's a long backstory, but that's where Christianity first made it into mainland Scotland is it hit there with Columba and his group from Ireland in the 400s. Uh, there's a church still there, ancient burial ground still there, and you go there, and there is something that hits you when you walk off of the ferry and put your feet on the ground. Even non-believers will tell you something happens here. And you stand by the tall cross, St. John's cross, or you, you walk into the old kirk, and you see the columns, and you say that you hear the prayers, something happens, and they call that a thin place, because that's a place that is between this world and the next, and you can actually see the next world. There's a little bit of parting there. There are other places, like for me, a thin place today was hearing you sing. There are times that I sing out with all I've got. There are other times I get quiet because I need to hear you sing, and there was a thin place there. There's a thin place there, and I don't mean to embarrass anybody when I say this, um, where we were, were today was in the right place for this because little children behind me were singing at the top of their lungs. And in the next row, I looked down, and my favorite people here, more experienced Christians than most of us, let's just say that, were singing the same song. You can go places sometimes where the young people they're all young and they're singing their songs. And you can go other places where they're all old, like a Rolling Stones concert. <laughs> and you used to go there and smell marijuana, now you smell Ben Gay. <laughs> and they're all singing songs. Saw a concert with, on, on tele, on um, television. Telly's much shorter. Life's too short to use too many syllables. Uh, anyway, uh, where, where the Moody Blues did a concert. And I thought, well, that's nice. I like them. Then I looked at the attendees. And I went, it's all old people. Then I looked in the mirror. <laughs> in this thin place, the children sing with those in their 90s. That didn't happen. There are thin places in the world where you can go and recognize, wait, this is a holy moment. This is a mo holy place. Something is happening here. You need to understand something. That's a myth. We're already there. It's just that we're distracted by the squirrels of the world. <laughs> we are already in heaven don't worry, people, I'll get back to the notes. They're really good. I enjoyed them, too. <laughs> We're already in heaven. It's already a holy time. One of the greatest, you know, well, we can keep going here. Received the inheritance, received the promise, bore a child. Well, that's, that's Sarah, of course. But what about all those accomplishments in verse 33 again? 
stopping violence, driving back the lions, living valiantly, dead walking. One of the greatest sources of tension and disagreement in the Christian community throughout its history is the tension between faith and works. And many churches, to be honest, teach an easy believism which requires nothing more than intellectual assent that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, while other churches, to be fair, pile burden and burden and law and law upon their people and and then tell them it still may not be enough to get you into heaven. Well, next week in the book of James, we'll be told straight up that faith without works is dead. Faith saves us, James, James says, and the grace of God saves us, but that faith is active and it engages. It engages the world and it also engages God. People, when God calls you to dance, get on the floor and dance. Don't just sit back being honored to be asked and have a little button saying, God asked me to dance. I'm a special person. Get out and dance. I'm British. We don't dance because it's tragic to see. (laughs) Even the Irish only dance from here down. (laughs) I think so they don't spill their beer. Yeah, but I'm I'm not... You know, up here, nothing. Down there, wild abandon. You know, that's... um, We don't dance. So for me to tell you to dance with God, that's saying something. I... I don't know what that dance is going to look like for you. But I talked to one of our sweet women here today. We talked about how we feel before we speak. And I I told her it never goes away. I'm always upset before I have to speak. I don't sleep well the night before. I always, every time I agree to go speak somewhere, I hang up the phone and think, that was stupid. (laughs) I don't want to go. Why do we do it? Because that's what the dance looks like for me. I don't know what it looks like for you, but dance. Don't just say, I believe in God and I go to church and I'm a good person. Yay for you, but engage. When Abraham brought his life into line with his faith, the storehouses of heaven opened. Grace poured into his life. But as the writer of Hebrews warns all of us, If we want what Abraham got, we've got to go beyond the elementary principles of our faith and live our faith. And we have to go beyond the elementary beliefs of this world and believe that this world is the unreal world and the spiritual world is the real world. I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said that we are not humans who every so often have a spiritual moment. We are spiritual beings who are having a physical moment. We are already spiritual. We are already there. My father is in his last times. I don't know. He could last another couple of years. He could be gone now. He said something to me that would sound strange to almost everybody in the room, but not to me. He asked me to bring Oliver, our seven-month-old, down to see him. 
He said, I want to see if he sees the angels. My father wants to die and go on home. And he was, he's aware that too, so many of us get too old to see the angels anymore. He wanted to see who Oliver saw when he sat on my dad's lap. And I'll keep the rest of that moment private. But for some of you, that will sound weird, especially coming from a scientist. But I want to tell you right now, scientist reveals more what we don't know than what we know. And I love science, but it's not real. Something bigger is there. And most scientists will even tell you. They'll tell you, you know, the universe is made out of 90-something percent dark matter. You'll say, what's dark matter? Don't know. Have we ever seen it? Nope. What's its characteristics? Have not a clue. But it's out there. <laughs> okay. People, we are already there. We're not calling you to do certain things so that you can be a Christian. What I'm saying is this. We're calling on you to do certain things because you are a Christian. I don't do things during the day to be married. I'm already married. So I do certain things. I arrange the pillow jenga puzzle on the bed. I, I, I'll never understand it. Uh, I have diagrams. Sometimes it changes. But I'll do it. And there are, you know, we, have, we have dust ruffles on things. In case dust needs ruffling, we're prepared, we're equipped, we're ready. I, uh, I don't understand but I do it because I am married. You, you understand what I'm saying? You're saved. I'm not trying to tell you you're not saved. You're so saved. Now dance. Engage. Get in the face of evil and drive it back. Don't be afraid of it. Look at this passage in Acts chapter 22. By the way, kudos to the people up top. <laughs> for hanging in there and figuring out what I'm showing back up on the notes. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you, has chosen, not he might, he has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. Stop right there, by the way. Those of you who right now are arguing with God saying, wait a minute, I don't know what God's will is for my life. You already know more about his will for your life than your living. He already told you to feed the poor, take care of those in prison, love the hurting, don't walk by the hurting person, care for the person right in front of you, all of that kind of thing. Quit thinking about what is God's will for my life? Do I need to go over and convert Tanzania? Maybe, but on the way, talk to the person in the airport and love them. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. Now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. And that was Ananias speaking to a man who for three days had been fasting and praying and weeping. And, he, and he's looking at him going, fair enough. What are you waiting for? Move. Move. Engage. You've been chosen. You've already walked away from one country. It's time to walk into the next one. There are, there's a place, and I'll get to the next scripture. Well, just keep it up. There's a place between Uganda and Tanzania. 
that's a borderland, and there's about a 50 to 100-yard stretch that's, they're not really sure whose is whose, so they both built fences and border posts, and in between, it, they're not really sure whose land it is, and there are so many people who live in there as refugees, poor, desperate, because they're not in one country or the other. Don't live like that. Leave the world now and live in heaven now. If they'd been thinking of the country they left, they would have had opportunity to return. But instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, look, at th- look at this. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Aren't you glad to know God's not ashamed to be called your God? He already, don't say, well, I hope that's true one day. It's true now, so live like it. Live like it. When I, my grandsons see me, they run at me with wild abandon and love and hug. Why? Because they already know I love them. They don't have to worry about, am I pleasing them today? I told a table of friends last night, we had dinner with a group of folk, and I said that, you know why grandparents and grandchildren get along so well? It's because they have a common enemy. (laughs) Kids are always worried, am I pleasing my mom and dad? They don't worry about grandmom and granddad. We're good. That's fine. They break something, that's all right, that was old. It's been in the family generations, time it went. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. That thing was holding us back. Well done, you. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I'm proud. God's not ashamed of you. He's proud of you. So live like it. Or as Paul put it here, not that I've already obtained all this or already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that. Now, he already had been talking about, I've already got it. Now he says, I'm pressing on to it. You understand, we know this in quantum physics. We need to understand this in the spiritual world. We're already there and we're going there. We're living in the not yet and already right now. We're already there even though we're going there. It sounds odd, but that's because you live in the world of Newton and his physics. God's moved on. Not that I've already obtained all this or have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He's saying God's already got a hold of me. I'm just reaching back to get him, just hug him back. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind straining, or some versions, pressing toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We have come to a new country already. We should behave as citizens of that country already. Surrounded by witnesses. Look at this, chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's a term they used for the sporting people, the sporting crowd, the crowds that came in the Colosseum to watch a sporting event. We're already surrounded by them. Let us throw off everything that hinders. That's a whole lot of world and a whole lot of attitude right there. 
And the sin that so easily entangles is going to be different for you than for me. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Why? Because he was sitting down at the right hand of God. He's headed somewhere else. Consider him who endured so much opposition from sinners so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. Wow. We have come to a new mountain. We have come to a new place. This is where you're going to need to work a little bit again. You have, bring it on up, please. We have not come to a mountain that can be touched. We have not come. We're already at a mountain, but we're not at the mountain that cannot be touched, that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom and storm, that's the one in Sinai, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the, animal, the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses, Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. You have come. Stop, before you do the slide, uh, help me out here, grammaticians in the room, grammarians in the room. You have come is what tense? Past. We're already there. To Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands. You have come, this is important, to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, you have come. We're about to take communion at tables. There are tables up here, there's a table in the top, there are tables in the back. In a moment, oh, and by the way, all are welcome, visitors, even if you're not a member of this particular church or a church at all, if you are ready to declare allegiance to Christ and you believe in him, you're welcome. But we're not taking it alone. Richard Strickler is taking this with us today. He's in the room. In this room right now are so many righteous people who have walked on before. So many that we have lost. Our soldiers, Marines, and airmen, they're here. They're not here in some metaphysics, they're here. The babies that we lost are here. The saints that died are here. The angels are here. Do you see them? I do. And I believe it with all of my heart that they want you to know they're here. 
Not so that we will look at them, but so that we will fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So in a moment, when you take a little bit of bread to remember the body of Christ, a little bit of juice to remember his blood, say hello. Would you stand with me, please? Almighty God in heaven, we honor you, we love you, we believe you. Thank you for welcoming us home. Thank you for giving us a new place to be and live. Thank you for asking us to the dance. We take this bread to honor Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. We believe in him. We fix our eyes on him. We take this cup to remember his blood and the cost to bring us all together, the righteous, the angels, and us. And we admire in awe what he did for us. Father, we believe. And in the name of Jesus Christ, the whole church says, Amen. Come.